Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Peter knew that this tent that he had, these flesh and bones and blood, was just a physical temporary dwelling place for the soul and the spirit. Just like Jesus was tabernacled in human flesh. You remember in John chapter 1 verse 14 it says, And the the word, speaking of Jesus, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That literally means he became, he allowed his glory to be tabernacled, to be put on like a tent. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. As Pastor Rob continues in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 12, we learn that Peter is reminding us that our physical bodies are only temporary and that we will be transformed into an immortal being. He uses the word tent for our outside shell and tells us that as long as he is in his tent, he will continue to remind his readers of their calling. Paul tells us in his first letter to the Corinthians that when the time comes, in a twinkling of an eye, those in Christ will be changed and this mortal must put on immortality. Then we will be with Christ forevermore. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Of these things, notice after my decease. After my decease, Peter knew his time was short. And isn't it true, the more that I'm reminded, the less inclined I will be to forget. That's what rote is all about. That's why I need, you know, when children learn their alphabet, they learn it through a song. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And, the, you know, whatever they do, they learn through repetition. Repetition. And God knows that we need repetition. So he will often repeat himself, just as he's doing through, by the Spirit, through the Apostle Peter. And why does he do this? Because it says in Psalm 103, verse 14, For he knows our frame. He knows our frame. He knows what we're all made of. Because he created us, didn't he? So he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. We are literally dust. He made Adam from the dust. Didn't he just pile a bunch of dirt together? And he made Adam. (laughs) That's what he's made of. The same elements that are in the ground are, guess what, are the same elements that are in our bodies. Science confirms this. The same elements from the earth is what we're made of. Go figure. Confirms what it says. He made Adam of the dust and he breathed into him life and he became a living soul. But the case in point, so the reminding is necessary for us. And Jesus reminded the disciples about his impending death. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, you might just want to write these down, and I'm just going to read them to you for the sake of time. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. The very first time that Jesus predicts his death and resurrection to his disciples. 
Matthew 16, verse 21, he says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. And then notice in Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 22 again, the second time Jesus reminds them. Why is he doing this? Because he knows they're thick-headed, just like me. (laughs) Are you thick-headed? I need to be told again and again and again. And sometimes, maybe on the 53rd time, I'm like, oh, yeah. How many times have you told your kids, pick up your room? Before you leave your room, turn off your light. And then you go upstairs and you realize their light's on and they're still outside. And you're like, how many times you got to tell them? Well, God is a perfect father. He knows exactly. So Jesus reminds them again in Matthew 17, verse 22. He says, now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, this, notice, he says to them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. They listened, but they really weren't listening. They're like, what are you talking about? And then again, just a few chapters later, and of course, there's a lot of time in between these chapters, maybe a few months, maybe a year, maybe less. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 17, the third time he reminds them again. It says, Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. A third time. Guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. There's a purpose I'm going. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. All those things took place, and the third day he will rise again. Notice how patient Jesus is with them and how patient he is with us. What's in your mind about God? Hopefully it's based on the Bible, because if your opinion about God is something of your own making, I would encourage you to know him. You know him when, when Jesus, when the Spirit of God comes in you, but you also know him through what he has written to us. I know his character. I'm learning more about his character every single day, because he's revealing himself to me, to you, through his word. And you see how loving and compassionate he is. Compassionate. You see how gracious and merciful he is. So when, when somebody comes up to you and says, man, God is just angry with me because of what I've done. Well, you know what? He took out all of that punishment upon his son on the cross. There's no, re- no, need, no reason to be beating you up about it. Did he indeed take the sin of man on the cross upon himself? Or did he not? If he didn't, then we probably deserve what we got coming to us. But if he did take the punishment, there's no need for God to be beating you up. He chastens those whom he loves, certainly. But it's different. It's to instruct us. To take us like, like, like a mother. Or uh, I saw this video somewhere recently. I think it was on Facebook or something. And it was the cutest thing. Somewhere up in the forest, there's this mother, mother bear. And she's walking her cubs. And the cubs are following behind her. And she gets right in the middle of the road. And these people are stopping their Jeep. And they're, they're taking this video of this big mama bear and her cubs. And the one little bear is kind of going back. And she waits for him or her. Gets her attention. Come on, keep up. And next thing you know, the little bear gets back in line. And they cross the road together. And they're stumbling. And it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. Cutest thing. But Jesus is patient with us. Because he loves us. Now turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Because this really kind of sums it all up. 
He's telling them, just like Peter is reminding these believers about his time is going to be short. And that's what, a, that's what a good pastor will do. That's what a good shepherd will do. Will remind you of things coming so that you are not caught unawares. And Jesus did the same thing. And we're going to see it here in Luke chapter 24. We're just going to look at the first 12 verses. Just going to read them right straight through. And you'll see the application. Remember, he's already reminded them three times. And other groups of people that were around them as well. Around the 12 disciples. He's reminding them. Three times he reminded them. And then finally, the crucifixion occurs. Finally, the resurrection occurs. And notice what happens. Luke 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of Jesus Christ. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. We know these were angels. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you? Underline that word. Remember? Remember how he spoke to you? When he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Again, he's speaking to the women at this point. They must have been in the company perhaps of Peter, James, and John, the other disciples, when Jesus reminded them over and over again, preparing them, I'm not going to be here very much longer, guys. But you know what's coming. You know that I'm going to ascend to the Father, and I'm going to come back for you. And we're waiting for that day. Are you excited about that day? Are you excited for the rapture? It's not just some kind of Star Trek science fiction thing. This is real. And honestly, it's the craziest thing you've ever heard if you don't know Jesus. But it's true. Is he able to create the whole world and the worlds with just his spoken word? That's what he did. That's what Genesis tells us. Out of nothing, he created something. Is it so hard for us to believe that he can take us, believers, off this earth and transform our bodies midway? (laughs) Or before we were even raised off the ground? Our bodies transformed Notice in verse 8 of Luke 24, and notice, the angels even said to them, remember when he was alive he spoke about this? In verse 8, and they remembered his words, these women who were at the tomb. And then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven, to the eleven disciples and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Notice this, verse 11, And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. So here these women go to the tomb, the angels tell them, Well, don't you remember this is what Jesus said? And so they're like, Oh, oh, oh that's right. <laughs> then they run to the house where they're all hiding out. And they, 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 they tell them, Hey, Jesus is not here, he's risen. Uh, full of it. What are you talking about? (laughs) But notice verse 12. But Peter, he arose and he ran to the tomb. Perhaps he was, something was rattling around in his mind and thinking, you know what? I think he did remember. I think I do remember something. Wait, I think, mm, I think I remember. Something's coming. Yeah, I think I remember. (laughs) Peter rose. He ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So what is your view of God? Again, do you view him as angry and spiteful and hateful? Or do you see him as he is, as he revealed himself to Moses? 
Is he this mean God or is he a loving creator? I love what it says in Exodus chapter 34. Moses wanted to see the glory of the Lord in the desert. And God says, Moses, you can't see me. I, I can't. No one can see me and live. And my essence is spirit. People saw Jesus, but God the Father is a spirit. And Moses is like, Lord, show me your glory. And he says, Moses, if I was to reveal myself to you, you would die instantly. You can't handle the truth, <laughs> to quote. But he says, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock, and as I go by, I'll just put my, I'll cover you with my hand, and as I pass by, you can see the back parts of my glory, but the front part, you won't be able to take it. And he did. And I love it in verse 5 of Exodus 34. It says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Notice, this is who the Lord is. And this is God proclaiming about himself, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no, means, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. In other passages of Scripture it says, to those that hate me. So who is your God? Is he angry? Or is he, or is he good? He's a good Lord. Let's go back into Second Peter here, verse 13. Peter says, yes, I think it's right. As long as I am in this tent. We just got back from a camping trip yesterday, and some of the folks are still at the campsite today. He says, yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. There it is again. To remind you, this tent is a tabernacle. It's something that, is, uh, that clothes you. Peter knew that this tent that he had, these flesh and bones and blood, was just a physical temporary dwelling place for the soul and the spirit. Just like Jesus was tabernacled in human flesh. You remember in John chapter 1 verse 14 it says, and the, and, and the word, speaking of Jesus, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That literally means he became, he allowed his glory to be tabernacled, to be put on like a tent. He allowed this, the, the, the glory of God to be encapsulated in a tent, in the physical form of a human being, through the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. Do you believe that? Some people don't. And yet it's the foundation of our faith. But Peter says, as long as I'm in this tent, as long as I'm in this tent, notice that the body we have, it's just a shell. It's just clothing us. It's clothing our spirit and clothing our soul. In James chapter 2, we see this idea of man being more than just body. James chapter 2 verse 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, notice, body and spirit, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. In Matthew 10, verse 28, Jesus speaking, he says, And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, <laughs> but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Yea, rather fear him. Isn't that what he said? And yet in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul the Apostle puts all of these verses together and he takes a composite of them, and he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, set you apart, and may your whole spirit, 
soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, we are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Notice the order that Peter puts them in, because man puts them in a different order, because that's all man knows. Have you ever seen it when somebody talks about this idea of being a three-part being? They'll say body, soul, and spirit. Man puts it in the wrong order. Man says body because that's all he knows, just this temporal flesh that we have here. We've got 80, 90, maybe 100 years within this tent, and then, we, then we're done. <laughs> but Peter says, oh, there's so much more. And even Paul the Apostle here in 1 Thessalonians says, no, you got the order all wrong. The spirit is first, the soul and the body last. It's the order of, of importance. The spirit is the highest and most unique part of man that allows him to communicate with God. And the soul, that's the real you. That's your personality. That's who you are deep inside. That's what makes me different from from Chris. And that's what makes Chris different from Joe. We're all different. We have a a soul, and that's the real us, our personality. And then, of course, the body is just a package that all of this is packaged up in. It's our physical makeup. Peter knew He says, as long as I'm in this tent, I'm going to remind you. He knew that his departure was soon and that his natural tent would have to be put down and he would have to receive another at the rapture. Because we know that in 1 Thessalonians it says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those of us who are alive and remain, our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So this tent that we have is terrestrial, isn't it? It's made of the earth. We just read that. But for heaven, and to be in the presence of God, we will need a celestial body, a body that can withstand eternity, a body that can stand in the presence of God and is in, 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 in spirit and, and to see him and not fall dead, a body that will never decay, a body that will never get arthritis, a body that won't have a tumor that has to be removed, a body that will never be riddled by cancer, we don't have time to go there, but I'm going to give you a, a reference, and I'd like for you to look at it. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 57. You can read about this body that we're going to receive at the rapture of the church. And certainly Peter was alluding to this. He knew that he was going to be putting off this tent, and he's going to be getting another house. He's going to be getting another structure. Very different from this one. Remember Jesus' body. He was able to appear and disappear. At different times. There was something about his body that, and we believe that we're going to have the same body. Very different from our earthly body that we were born with. Let me just read in 1 Corinthians 15, just verse 50. He says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Again, Paul writing to the Corinthians, Nor does corruption, which we are, nor does corruption put on or inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die necessarily, but we shall all be changed. And he's speaking of the rapture. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And he quotes here from the Psalms, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? That is our blessed hope, folks. 
That is the earnest of our salvation. That's the down payment that God has placed within us. He's given up his his spirit in us. But we wait eagerly, groaning, waiting for that day to be reunited with him in the new body for eternity. Let's go back to verse 14 of 2 Peter. He says, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Jesus, again, didn't just leave Peter and his disciples and us as orphans. Again, as a good shepherd, he goes before us. He gives us the example. He lives the example. Boy, we need examples today. So many awful examples in in our culture. So many bad examples in every area of life. And boy, how the world needs to see folks like us who are giving our hearts to Christ and are living according to his word. You're never going to receive an accolade or a pat on the back. We know that. But what a glorious existence, isn't it? I mean, honestly, is there, is there joy in your life or is it just a drudgery? Folks, there's joy. And if you're missing the joy, you've got to get back. Get back to the word of God. Get on your knees and start praying again. Don't let the world just evaporate your, you know, the things that you know to be true. There's, some, there's a part that you have to play in it as well. I have to humble myself. I have to give my heart to him completely. And like it says in, uh, in the Bible, I've got to let him work out what God has already worked in me. Doesn't he say that? For God, it is God who works in you. He says, work out your own salvation. For it is God who works in you to will and then to do of his good pleasure. So I've got to let the Spirit of God work this out in very practical terms. But I can, I can, I can withhold it. I can say, no, I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to submit to this. And you grieve the Spirit and you know it in your heart when you do. Your heart is crushed. You you have no witness. You feel discouraged. Is is it any wonder that you're you're flailing and you you feel like that flag flapping in the wind? Your faith is just kind of wavering. Folks, dig in. Now is the time to dig in because the time is short. Things are happening. Things are going on. And God is saying, wake up, my children. Wake up. We have to wake up. We have to listen. Listen. So Peter says, knowing this, that I shortly must put off my tent, just as Jesus showed me. How did Jesus show him? Well, first off, in John chapter, um, John chapter 21, immediately after the resurrection. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, after my resurrection, I'll meet you in Galilee. And certainly they go up there, but in unbelief. And they're out there fishing and they see Jesus on the shore. You remember the event. And Jesus is on the shore in a different body now. And Peter, once he sees it's the Lord, he jumps in the water. And he comes to the shore and Jesus has this wonderful dialogue with him. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these fish that you've caught? Do you love me more than the life that you had before? Feed my sheep. He would say it three times. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And then in verse 18, in that same dialogue, Jesus says to Peter, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. And when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. (laughs) And another will gird you and carry you where you you do not wish. And this he spoke, verse 19, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. So not only did Jesus tell him how he would be martyred, 
but Jesus also went before him. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in Peter's second epistle. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.